0: Hello and welcome to the Queen's Observatory Fast Radio Bursts. I am Connor Stone, here with my co-host Nikhil Aurora. It is our mission to bring exciting space news hot off the telescope and into your ears. One way or another, the Queen's Observatory has continued its practice of sharing the wonders of the universe since 1857. Thank you for joining us in this long-running tradition. Here at Fast Radio Bursts, we will answer your questions interview astronomers and dive deep into breaking research from low earth orbit to the clouds of venus from Betelgeuse to colliding black holes it's a big universe to talk about so let's get started and welcome back i'm connor stone here with my co-host Nicky larora hi nick hi connor how are you doing i'm doing great yeah. and very excited today because we're going to be starting a a new series for the fast radio bursts we're going to be talking about the dangerous universe, Absolutely. all the different things in the universe that can destroy each other, and uh, we'll be starting with Earth. Yeah, the
1: Earth. How, what are the ways in space, not by humanity really, but in space, that can destroy
0: the Earth? That's the goal. That's yeah. what we're going to be talking about. Yeah. And then we're going to get bigger and bigger in scale and see where we go from there. So the next episode will be how to destroy a star, Yeah, and then after that it'll be... How to destroy a galaxy, yeah. Yeah.
1: And then the whole universe itself. How can we
0: wreck it? (laughs) And and you might not understand how to destroy the universe, but we'll get to that. We will get to that. But yeah, before we get
1: any further, we have to sort of apologize for being a week late on our our regular episodes. Um, But it's actually a good apology because Connor
0: over here got married last week. So yeah, Connor, how does it feel to be married? Feels pretty good. Um, wedding planning during COVID is a little, <laughs> let's say, complicated. Right. But the wedding itself went off great, and great. we all had a lot of fun. Yeah.
1: So a huge congratulations to Connor, who is now officially married.
0: But yeah. Thank you. Yeah. All right. So let's move on to space news. Yeah. Um, there's not too much space news, but a couple neat things going on. First up. Um, Percy, or Perseverance, has collected its first sample on Mars, so that's a big step towards doing its more detailed analysis, looking for life on Mars, looking for different geologic processes that happen on Mars, so uh, it's really important. They had a few difficulties getting their samples, but they, they got it working. All right, um, the second piece of space news is that there was smoke detected on the ISS, so... Astronauts uh, smelled some smoke on the <laughs> International Space Station. Uh, they're pretty sure it's coming from uh, the Russian module, mm. but uh, more to be determined on that. Yeah. So maybe, this just happened last night, right? Yeah. Almost so maybe there will be something. more space news with respect
1: for that to that next time. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, if it, if it was something very big, you won't, We won't be the first person reporting this to you. You will hear it other places.
0: Yeah. If. If, if it becomes a really big thing, you'll hear it long before we talk about it. <laughs> yep. Okay. So that's, that's all the space news we have for today. And I think we should move on to our, our main event, how, yeah. how to Destroy the Earth. So this is the first episode in our Dangerous Universe series. And we're going to be talking about things that could happen to the Earth that would be cataclysmic, either ending all life on Earth, or literally blowing Just up the planet itself. Planet into bits. which, which would also end all life on it. <laughs> sort of collateral damage there. Yeah, yeah. So uh, our planet is really surrounded by a lot of dangerous things. Space is full of very energetic and dangerous things. Luckily for us, a lot of these dangerous things are far away. Yeah, yeah. But um, today we're going to talk about how. Well, we're going to start by talking about how asteroids could really damage Earth. Yeah, deer. yeah asteroids are, are really nearby. In fact, uh, asteroids are hitting the Earth all the time. Yeah. But before we get into a little more of um, the probabilities of these sorts of events, we should go right down to the basics and mm-hmm. talk about what an asteroid is. Yeah. So Nick, how about you explain what an asteroid right.
1: is? absolutely
0: yeah. So asteroids, the way I like to call them, are
1: essentially failed planets. Um, so our Earth at one point in time used to be an asteroid um, so early on when our st- sun was just forming so it was what we call a protostar the sun had material mainly gas that would be around it but the further away you got it from the sun the cooler things became and you started having things like dust so this would these would be like just carbon particles silicates or metals like iron uranium magnesium and things like that And so as the suns continued to form, the things around um, the sun started to actually cool down and come together because of gravity. Um, And that's essentially what asteroids are. Asteroids are protoplanets. They're not planets because they could never make it to becoming big enough, but they're protoplanets. So you go back 5 billion years ago, which is when the sun was formed, um, and you compare the solar system back then to now... You would see a lot more things orbiting the sun compared to now, which is really just the asteroid belts and eight to nine planets, if
0: you think about it. Well, when we look at when we look at early solar systems that are just forming yeah. around in our galaxy, they almost look like uh, a disk of dust. Exactly. Yeah,
1: and so that disk of dust cools down and comes together to form planets. Um, Basically, what happened was, because there was so much stuff, as we talked about, there was disk of dust, and that cools down to become planets or protoplanets. Earlier on, because there were so many of them, these protoplanets would collide together. I think that's, that's, the, that's the sort of leading theory of how we got the moon to be around the Earth as well. There was a collision earlier on, and that is a chunk, really a chunk of the Earth, or what used to be the Earth at that point in time. Um, so yeah, you collide and you create more sort of rubble more smaller rocks, and that's what asteroids are. Uh, Asteroids are essentially sort of remnants of early planet formation or early star formation.
0: So as these asteroids grow by bumping into each other, uh, how should we visualize them? Yes. Okay. So yeah, um, most of
1: them are not... So you think about our planet. Most of them are not circular. Uh, They're just irregular shapes just hurling through space Um, there are two kinds of asteroids or meteors that we can find Um, one of them is called a rubble pile which are essentially created because of collisions earlier on in the formation of the solar system and because of gravity these just small pieces of rock just stick together and stay combined but the other ones and if you've ever come to the Queen's Observatory or here in Kingston we've actually shown you this are essentially just solid cores of iron or heavy metals. Um, These would be early planets from which the silicates and the carbons got wiped off and they're essentially just, and then they just cool down and then they continue to orbit the sun.
0: So those are the two sort of basic categories of asteroids, ones that are Sort of cohesive holes and ones that are rubble right. piles, barely held together yeah. by their weak gravity. Yeah. Of course, astronomers love to label things. So, if you really want to get into the weeds, there's dozens of different subtypes. Absolutely. Of yes. Asteroids. But
1: this is, these are the two general types of asteroid, for sure.
0: Right. So, so now we have an idea of what the asteroids look like. Right. Let's talk a little bit about where you can find them. So, if right. you want to, if you want to go asteroid hunting, hmm. where is your best place to look? Well.
1: Look up in space, that's what i say. No. Um, So in the solar system, we have something called an asteroid belt, which is mainly situated between Mars and Jupiter. Um, There are reasons for that because of Jupiter's gravity. Um, A lot of interaction has essentially pushed the asteroid belt to be there. Um, And there are like millions of rocks just roaming around in there. Um, So that's the main asteroid belt. However, surprisingly, there's also... And at this point, we know of about maybe 10,000, 20,000 objects that are between Mars and Earth. So there is an actual sub-belt or a secondary belt of asteroids um, between Mars and Earth. These are called near-Earth objects, um, and these are monitored heavily. So last year, was it last year when we had the NEOWISE comet? That was 2020, right? Yeah. So last year when we had the NEOWISE comet come in um, and we were able to see it, Um, it was labeled as a near-Earth object. So it was being monitored, and we were able to see it. Um, So just think about the Neowise, which was a comet, um, which are slightly different from asteroids. Um, There are thousands of more stuff between Earth and Mars that needs
0: heavy heavy monitoring,
1: for sure, um, when it comes to our topic here today,
0: Connor. All right. So a lot of the asteroids are found between Mars and Jupiter. Yeah. But you can really find them at just about any orbit, as long as it's a stable orbit right, exactly. around the sun. Yeah. Any unstable orbit, since the the solar system is billions of years old, the unstable yeah. orbits would have gone away at this point and either crashed into the sun or got kicked out of the solar ah, system. Yeah.
1: Or it got crashed into a planet.
0: So, yes. And something to think about with these asteroids is uh, the speed that they're moving. Yeah. So something 10 kilometers across... Seems pretty destructive if you dropped that on your house. Yep. But it's hard to imagine how, just how much chaos it would actually create if it landed on Earth, because it's not just dropping down. No. Yep. It's moving at several kilometers per second, yep. at least 11, but often up at like 30 kilometers per second. 30 kilometers per, kilometers per second. second, yeah. Um, and at those speeds, keep in mind, a lot of bullets travel at around a third of a kilometer per second or maybe up to 1 kilometer per second exactly so it's just a giant supersonic bullet headed towards you really. yeah so th- this this thing this mountain is moving way beyond like easily 10 times faster than a bullet yeah that's absolutely. that's how it creates a lot of damage <laughs> exactly let's start with what if it's just 10 meters wide yeah or maybe a few tens of meters wide yeah. How, how does that look if an asteroid that size hits the Earth?
1: Right, so that will really cause minimal damage. Um, so we can take the example of the Chelyabinsk meteor that hit Russia in 2013. So it's in the southern eastern part of Russia where a meteor in 2013 hit, and it was only 20 meters across. Um, and if you talk to the people who actually witnessed it, um, what, you, what they would tell you was there was a bright streak across the sky. It was during the day um, that this happened, but there was a bright streak across the sky, and that was it. Um, But 90 seconds later, a sonic boom arrived because of the impact, which is what caused damage. So a lot of the people, I think with the smaller asteroids, even though they're not going to wipe out the Earth, the issue is that people don't, because of the way they enter the atmosphere, which is a bright streak across the sky, no sound at all, And that's it for a while. People get interested, so they actually just look out their windows and things like that. And then a few seconds later, the sonic boom of the impact on the Earth arrives, and then you essentially have glass stuck in your face for a while.
0: Um, Yeah, the sonic boom is powerful enough to easily shatter glass, knock items over. Yeah, um, so
1: that Chelyabinsk meteor took out a few buildings. Um, It was big enough.
0: And directly below, like at the impact site, um, Chelyabinx in particular exploded in the air. It didn't, yeah, make, it didn't it make it to the ground. Yeah. But even still, the area below it, all the trees yeah. were flattened. Yeah, absolutely. Um, just from the sonic boom, let, yeah. al- let alone actually being hit if right. this thing had made it to the ground. Exactly. So that's just a uh, small one. <laughs> just a small one. Tiny one. Yeah. And meteors like this, are not uncommon. No, they not. They happen fairly frequently. Yes. It's just usually they don't occur over top of populated no. areas. Yeah,
1: yeah. but when you move up the scale of size, that's when things become uncommon and, and more dangerous, I would say.
0: Yeah, so there's hundreds of meteors hitting us all the time that are yeah. tiny little grains of sand, essentially. Yeah,
1: we think about the Perseid meteor shower that just happened in August. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And then the size of Chelyabinsk is um, not uncommon, yeah. but it certainly isn't happening all the time. It's the size of a bus, so just keep in mind twenty yeah.
1: meters, size of a couple buses put together.
0: Yeah, and then uh, as we scale up, they get more and more rare. Right. So, what about a ten-kilometer rock? <laughs> yeah, we have no chance
1: there. I think it, the chance of a ten-kilometer rock happening is very small. I think. It's what we think, if you were to live 100 years, um, the chance of you encountering a 10-kilometer rock headed towards you from the space is like one in a million kind of thing. Well, that um, makes sense,
0: because it was a few million years ago
1: exactly. that one hit the dinosaurs. Yeah, that exactly. And we expect one to hit Earth, one every 100 million years or something like that. Um, more or less. More or less, yeah. So 10-kilometer rock um, is really, it's a very, let's say unique event but if that happens that as you can imagine that took away the dinosaurs completely from the earth not just the place where it hit but from the other side of the earth too and that's because when a 10 kilometer rock comes and hits the planet a lot of things are put um, up in the sky so a lot of rubble and debris is just launched up in the sky and because 10 kilometers is big enough that actually launches things really far high. But Earth is still Earth. It's still much bigger than 10 kilometers. So it will actually pull back that debris onto okay. itself and also on behind itself. So what happens is is sort of a mushroom kind of effect where a hit happens, debris goes up, but then because of the Earth's gravity, because of the Earth's gravity, it's actually dragged back onto the Earth as well, on the other side, causing real damage.
0: Yeah, and the debris cloud can essentially blanket the entire
1: yeah. Earth. So yeah, that was the problem. What happened was the asteroid hit, and the initial thing that happens on the Earth is the temperature of the Earth goes up. So the only organisms, the only animals that were able to survive were the ones which were deep in caves or underwater maybe. Um, or mammals which burrowed
0: into the ground. Yeah, burrowed into the ground. Yeah. So. Yeah. So. And then uh, to make it even worse, uh, after increasing the temperature the cloud of material stays in the atmosphere and actually uh, blocks incoming sunlight Sunlight, for a while. So you end up with everything getting cold after getting super hot. So it's it's just not a fun time. It's a massive... It'll take out the Earth.
1: However, that said, 10 kilometers is still small. We can talk about um, what will it take to destroy the Earth, like break it into pieces. And I did that calculation and it take, it'll take about 9,000 kilometer wide asteroid
0: to break Earth into pieces. For reference, the Earth itself is about 12,000 kilometers exactly. across. Yeah. So yeah, you need like a quarter of it. So it needs to be Three quarters, rather. Near, yeah. nearly the size of Earth. Yeah. yeah, so one-on-one collision. So, going back to the 10 kilometer rock, yeah. that would be truly catastrophic. Yeah. And we would like to avoid that sort of Absolutely. situation. Yeah. So... What, what can be done to prevent an asteroid from hitting the, hitting the Earth, assuming that we have the organization and the willpower? There are about few different ways
1: we have thought to be able to survive that. Um, most of them don't really completely work out very nicely. But let's actually try and go through them. So the first one is if an asteroid was headed towards us, we could just nuke it that was the plot line of Armageddon, right? Um, We could just go ahead and plant a nuclear bomb on it and blow it up. Um, However, we have to be very careful because that might might save the humanity, but it will still cause enough damage. Because remember, we might nuke it and it might break into pieces, but depending on how far away it is from us, the gravity of the asteroid or the individual pieces might kick in again and the asteroid will reform as a rubble pile again. So what you have done, if it's not already a rubble pile, in which case you're just in a loop there, what you have done is you've broken the asteroids into multiple pieces which form together again, and it will hit. Or if the asteroid is close enough and we nuke it, it might break up, but then shrapnel, essentially just shrapnel, will rain down on Earth for a while, which is going to be a much more chaotic, much more stochastic process, leading to a lot of damage. So that's the preliminary idea. It doesn't always work out. worked out for Armageddon, the movie, but in in reality it might not work out as much. Um,
0: Yeah, something that um, they don't really uh, fully explain in Armageddon and which is a little tricky to wrap your mind around, is these asteroids are moving fast. Yeah, Really, really, really fast. So even a nuclear explosion in the center might not push all the pieces away far enough far enough yeah to stop them from still hitting earth because even with a nuclear explosion in the center of this asteroid most of its velocity is still the velocity it had from the beginning yep not not the extra kick that it got sideways the- that it got from the nuclear yeah. bomb right absolutely
1: so now the next thing that pops up and that i think is one of my favorite ideas it seems like a very hard thing to accomplish but This is the process of something called a gravity tractor. Um, I'm going to explain it, but I'm also going to do a plug over here. There's actually a TV show on Netflix called Salvation, where the plot line is essentially that an asteroid is headed towards us in 200 days or something, and we have to prevent it from hitting us. So if you're looking for a TV show, science science fiction-y, go check it out. So anyways, a gravity tractor is a cool thing where... You essentially launch a rocket, and that rocket hooks up to the asteroid itself. And because of the propellers, because of the engine of the rocket, it actually pushes the rocket in a different direction compared to the direction of the Earth. And you change the trajectory of the rocket itself, uh, the asteroid itself, hopefully missing the planet then.
0: That would be the goal. Yeah. But you have to you have to catch it really early.
1: Yeah, you have one. You have to catch it really early. Two. You need a very very powerful ra- rocket to be able to do that. And three. And I think this is the hardest part is if you attach yourself to the asteroid, then you're rotating with the asteroid itself because the asteroid most likely is going to be rotating. So you have to figure out how to continue to push it in one direction and not just average out overall space because the you know, asteroid is rotating while it's coming towards us
0: yeah Yeah. most asteroids do rotate um at some speed maybe rotate every every few hours or or every day or so yeah so
1: that's that's the only sort of hiccup over here which is a big hiccup might i just add because the technology has not been invented yet so yeah if a 10 kilometer rock was headed our way we're probably done for but the good thing is we know of all most of the 10 kilometer behemoths that are roaming around near the Earth, and none of them
0: crosses paths with the Earth, at least for the next 100 years or so. Yes, and an advantage of the larger asteroids is that they are harder to miss. <laughs> exactly. And now finally,
1: the last one, and I think this is my favorite one, and this is maybe the most hopeful one if we can come up with a technology, is something called reflective sheets. So the ast- these asteroids are very dark, so they're very hard to see. But if somehow we were able to travel to the asteroid and put large amounts of reflective sheets on them, um, the light from the sun would actually put pressure on the asteroid, swaying it from its initial trajectory. Um, this is something called, it, I know it's a little bit crazy, because you, you turn on lights in your house and you don't feel any pressure from it. But remember, we're talking about the sun and not just a 100-watt bulb in your house. Um, if we were able to make it reflective enough, there would be enough pressure or there'd be enough force of the sun's light that will change its orbit.
0: I think it'd be pretty great to save humanity with a can of white paint.
1: <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah, paint the asteroid white. Exactly, that's right. Um, so yeah, that those are some of the few ways we have um, to save ourselves from from the asteroid if a 10-kilometer behemoth was headed our way or a 1-kilometer um, boulder was headed our way. Really, this, the idea is the same. Um However, as I said, the technology for most of them is non-existent right now. I think the biggest investment here, and maybe I'll end it on a positive note, the asteroid part at least, the biggest investment that we can do over here is to actually put up telescopes that can actually track or observe these asteroids over a long period of time. Um, So the more time we put on telescopes to actually just look at these asteroids, the more confident we will be essentially when it comes to um, one of them coming towards us.
0: All right, another another thing we should probably do. <laughs> <laughs> yep, but yeah, I, I will say no need to worry about it.
1: There are many things just on the planet, um, as the current climate might suggest, that can wipe us out compared to an asteroid.
0: Okay, and I and I think that's a good place to leave it for now. We're gonna go for our break, and when we come back, we're going to uh, see what the sun can do. Yeah. All right. Hello there! I'm just stopping by to quickly let you know that the Queen's Observatory is always here to answer your space questions. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and our website. Links to all of these are in the podcast description. We're always happy to talk about the universe, and if you ask a really big question, we just might have to do a podcast about it. I would also like to mention some of the other great resources out there. In the podcast description, you will find links to the McDonald Institute, the Royal Astronomical Society, and the Astronomy on Tap program. They are all excellent programs to bring the universe down to Earth. And with that, let's get back to it. And welcome back. So, we've talked about how an asteroid could wipe out life on on, on Earth, but what about like really destroying the earth that's kind of what we came here for yep so so let's let's build up to that and talk about the sun yeah so the sun is sort of so the sun is sort of the, the main object in our solar system it's it dominates everything else going on around it uh-huh. um, every, all the material of earth could fit into the sun a million times over and there'd oh, still yeah. be room left to spare So this this thing's big, and it's bright. We all know it's bright. Yeah, it allows for life to happen on Earth. Exactly. So how can the sun destroy the Earth? Right. Cool. Um, There are really two ways
1: um, for this to happen. Um, The first one is, as you just pointed out, how big the sun is. And it's essentially an engine of creating energy. So if we were to somehow utilize all of that energy we could really destroy the Earth. And then the next one is, um, and we're going to briefly touch upon it here and then go deeper into it the next episode, because that's where we're talking about slaying the sun, Um, is going to be the death of the sun or the death of stars in general. Um, So these are the two ways that the sun could really destroy the Earth. There are also solar flares, which are essentially flinging of sun's material towards the planet. Um, However, that... Cannot have enough um, strength to really destroy the planet. It can take out all of the electronics on the planet. It can take. It can cause damage, human lives damage, but it cannot
0: kill us. So, so yeah. Let, let's start small, right? The solar flares. Those, uh, those can't really wipe out life on Earth. No, but there are fairly common, and by fairly common, I mean every hundred or two hundred years. Uh, Solar flares that could wipe out all the electronics on it. Yes. So how does that work?
1: Well, okay. The solar flare is essentially the material of sun um, or particles from the sun headed fling towards us. So we know that the sun is just a bright ball of plasma, but that bright ball of plasma is also magnetic. There is a magnetic field attached to the sun. The sun is essentially just a giant magnet. Um, and every now and then, because of the way the magnetic field on the sun or the way the magnets on the sun essentially work, that plant, that field sort of intersects or that field interacts in a way that it flings out a lot of material towards us. And that material not only contains like actual elements, but also charged particles. And these charged particles then just rush towards the earth and then they interact with, these are very high energy particles, and then they interact with our electronics and wipe them out essentially.
0: So electronics essentially work by moving electrons yes. along wires. But the sun can just fling charged particles, including electrons, out at the Earth, yeah. essentially making the space between the sun and the Earth a, a giant space wire. To some extent, yes. And you c- and that space wire can basically uh, shower the Earth in uh, moving charged particles. Moving, yeah which if if those moved, moving charged particles line up with an actual wire here on earth in your electronics well now you've got much higher current running through that wire yep. than it really ever should have yes
1: absolutely and and i can i should add that this thing happens very often there's not only the sun creating these charged particles but they're just raining down on us from the universe itself from the death of stars we're going to once again uh, we're going to talk about death of stars next time around um but yeah, this is already happening. But the the only reason why we're talking about solar flare specifically is because one, they're just so close to us, and two, just the volume of charged particles that can come to us um is what is what can be concerning.
0: Yes. So um you you really could destroy all the electronics on yeah. Earth with, with this sort of event. There was a similar one back in the eighteen hundreds where they only had telegraph lines but the telegraph lines were sparking and bursting into flames right our electronics these days are even more sensitive yes and more prolific so it, it could be it could be quite disastrous but not earth ending no not human life ending human life ending well there would be some chaos i will say that there would certainly be some chaos so stepping up now let's talk about the the energy from the sun right so, obviously, the sun directs its energy all, in all directions in space. Yes. But if that energy was pointed towards Earth, what what kind of damage would we be looking at? <laughs> um, really take out the Earth. Just imagine the
1: Death Star from Star Wars, maybe, um, which was essentially just firing a big laser um, towards planets, and if that happens, what, what ends up happening is the planet getting destroyed. That's the same thing. If... By any means, the if by any means, um, all of the energy from the sun was able to just come towards us, um, we would be done in about a year or so. Cooked, the the planet would be cooked and broken apart into pieces in about a year or so. All right. Yeah. So um, maybe we should just go a little deeper into why that happens. Okay. Yeah. So. I think I've pointed out this before. The the sun is essentially a giant um, nuclear bomb or many millions of nuclear bombs put together. Um, inside the core of the sun, the sun is basically hydrogen, but inside the core of the sun, there is a process called nuclear fusion happening where you essentially take two atoms of hydrogen and you combine them together to make helium. That's how elements in the universe are made and so if you want to go on on our youtube page connor has a really great talk about how the elements all the elements in the universe we're talking gold iron copper think about it um, are actually made in the universe um, that's how helium is made helium is made and the core of stars however this process really is very energetic it creates a lot of energy and now imagine doing it quadrillions of time and that's how the sun essentially generates the energy And what we're trying to say over here is, if ever the sun was able to, in some ways or another, point out or point all of its energy towards us, um, we would be able to... We would would evaporate the Earth. (laughs) Yes, yeah. So there are about 10 to the 18 nuclear bombs going off every second um, in the core of the sun.
0: Yeah, to to give you a bit of scale, um, the bombs that were dropped on Hiroshima and Nagasaki they converted less than a gram of matter into energy. The sun is regularly converting hundreds of tons of matter every second into energy. Yeah. It's a lot. Yep, that's, that's quite a bit of energy coming towards us. And that would cook the sun,
1: or the earth rather, into pieces.
0: So at this point, we've talked about how all the electronics on earth could be destroyed or... If, if someone could magically redirect all the energy of the sun towards the earth, we could cook it and yeah. basically evaporate our earth. But no one's going to create a giant mirror. Well, fingers
1: crossed there's no death, Darth Vader waiting out there for us. Okay, Fing- fingers crossed
0: <laughs> no one's going to make a giant mirror and bake the earth yep. with the sun. So is there something that really could happen or really will happen that could destroy the earth? Yeah, absolutely.
1: Um, The sun itself the end at the end of sun's life there are events that happen um that can actually destroy the earth um so let's take a tour shall we um so what is it's the year 2021 today um go about another five billion years into the future the year five billion 2021 yep exactly give or take a few million years the sun's now reached towards the end of its life it's it's become an old star and it's gonna die and how it's gonna die is what is going to really, is what can destroy the Earth. Now, the sun is a star that we consider a small star, a dwarf star, might I just add. Um, There are bigger stars out there, um, and towards the end of their lives, they go supernova. They go boom, um, which can destroy things as well. But in sun's case, the sun, as it grows older and older, it's happening right now as well, it's going to get bigger and bigger the way nuclear fusion works within the center, the core of the sun is, it generates enough energy to push material out as well. Now,
0: the fusion going on right now is fusing hydrogen into helium. Yes. But as the sun progresses, it's going to run out of that hydrogen. Hydrogen. And then it's going to start
1: fusing helium together to form carbon um, and nitrogen and oxygen. Um, So these three materials, and so yeah, this will continue while it's, making things and i think the last thing the sun will form is silicon Um, so it's going to continue to fuse things together and it's going to continue to grow in size and about five billion years from now um, it's going to be big enough that it's going to engulf mercury venus and earth um,
0: taking away the planet essentially so it's strange to think about the sun growing in size it seems so stable to us right now and it will be stable for billions of years to come absolutely but really all stars are a titanic balance of gravity that's incredibly strong yes and the nuclear fusion the energy energy. created because of the nuclear fusion yes it's essentially
1: a very it's a tightrope balance anything goes anywhere else and things just go haywire if gravity becomes too big, which is... We, we're going to talk about this in terms of supernovae. The star starts to... The star with it would explode if um, the pressure becomes... Or the energy from the nuclear fusion becomes too big. The star just continues to keep growing and growing and growing until it just becomes a little small gas
0: cloud. So, yeah. When, when the sun transitions from hydrogen to fusing heavier elements... Yeah. It also starts producing more energy. Right. And so it begins to grow. It doesn't add any new material. No. All it does is sort of puff up like yes. a balloon. Exactly. If you if you put a balloon in your freezer, it'll actually get smaller. If you yeah. put it in an oven, it'll briefly get larger and then Before it'll it pop. Pops. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the same thing's happening with the sun. Yeah. It's, it's getting hotter, essentially, and yeah. expanding. Yeah. And the amount that it expands is incredible, enough to envelop the Earth. Exactly. Um.
1: And that's going to, well, it's going to start by, it's going to be big enough that it takes in Mercury and Venus, which are closer to the sun, of course, and that's it's going to be big enough to evaporate. Well, actually, it's going to get hot enough to really take off humanity and all life all life from the planet, and then the sun's going to be big enough that the energy from the sun is essentially just going to wipe it out into pieces.
0: Uh, yeah. Now, there will be a brief period where the Earth will actually be inside the sun, Yes. but still a, a whole rock just exactly. completing its orbits. Because yeah. the sun is expanding but it's not adding any new no material. material. Yeah. So it'll be very faint and wispy and yeah. the Earth could continue on its orbit inside the Sun. Yeah. Let me point out just a rock. No water. It's too hot by then. No water. It it would be a, a barren exactly. rock. Yeah. But it, it would be able to continue orbiting for a while. Yeah. Uh, slowly spiraling down until it falls into Yes. A, a more intense part of the sun exactly which will just break it into pieces and and there you have it we, we've got asteroids that could wipe out uh, towns cities countries or just wipe off all the all, all of the large life on the planet we've got solar flares that could wipe out all of our electronics yeah if someone were to build a giant mirror you could you could wipe out the earth yeah and we know for sure that at some point in the future the sun is going to destroy the earth yep absolutely and and that is how you destroy the earth (laughs) i think that's a good point to end off for our episode today and at the next episode we're going to kick it up a notch and talk about how to destroy the sun or really just a star how do you destroy a star yeah that's all from us for today and We'll see you next time. Yeah, bye. Bye.
1: Thanks for listening to the Queens Observatory's Fast Radio Burst. We hope you enjoyed this walk through the universe. If you have any questions, don't hesitate to contact us via email at queensuobservatory at gmail.com. You can also follow us on Facebook and Twitter as the Queens University Observatory to stay up to date. If you like this podcast, you can help us by leaving a review and sharing it with your friends. This will help us become more visible and spread the wonders of the universe to more people. That is all from us. We'll be back again with another exciting topic in astronomy.